ومن أحسن قولا ممن دعا إلى الله وعمل صالحا وقال إنني من المسلمين. written by a great scholar uh, by the name of Ibn Kathir rahmatullahi alayhi. In his book, he actually talks about Rasulullah when he was a child. Rasulullah when he was a child, we all know that he came into this dunya and his father had already passed away. So when he was growing up, this was after the time when uh, he was in the custody and in the care of Halima al-Sa'diyya and later on, he came back and he began to live with his mother. The mother said that we need to go and pay your family's fa your father's family a visit in Medina. So that is where the, the family of Abdullah was living. And there we know by Islamic history and studying the seal of Prophet ﷺ that there were some Jewish tribes that were living in Medina because they had read in their books about the coming of a final prophet. And while they were there, they always were looking out for signs, any kind of indications of this. It's mentioned in Ibn Kathir, in, I mean, in Al-Bidayah wa Nihaya by Ibn Kathir that when the Prophet went, there was actually a festival that was taking place in Medina. The Prophet he went there, and he was just there not to engage in the festivities, it was a big, you know, big thing taking place in Medina, so he just went. And the Jewish community people who were there, there were some who were involved with magic. So, what happened was that they began to notice a young boy just walking around the area and he was known to the community so automatically you get the attention. When you see someone you don't know, right away that catches your attention. So what happens is that first of all they did not know him and then they also noticed that every single time he would walk past them, the magic that they were trying to perform would fall flat. It would not, they were not able to perform their magic properly. Right away, they were fixated on this child, that who this child is. And what they began to notice is that this child, you know, he has a mother, they did not see a father, and they began to follow young Muhammad all the way to the house. And they followed him and they went and they talked to the mother. And then they said that, can you please call your child out? Now, interestingly enough, at that time, even though his name was Muhammad, but one of the other names that he was used, that was used to refer to Muhammad was Ahmad. So when the mother called, she not say Muhammad, she says Ahmad. And so the Prophet comes out, he's a child. And remember that in Surah Saf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions that Isa alayhi salam gave the, um, the news that there will be another Prophet who will come by the name of Ahmad. Min ba'd ismuhu Ahmad. So when this child comes out, Muhammad they began to study him very closely. And they began to say that perhaps this child is that child that we have been waiting for for such a long time. And then he went inside and the mother Amina, Amina, she was of course like any other mother, if you have strangers coming to your home and studying your child, any mother will be spooked. She'll, you know, she'll be nervous. It was during that same time she was sick. She was sick, but because she was so afraid of the safety of her child, she decided that she would pick up that night and leave. Even though her family insisted 
that you stay here, there is no danger to your child, you stay here, you get well, and then you can go back to Makkah. She said, no, out of the safety of my child, because this is what a mother does, right? A mother, because she has so much raham in her heart, she has so much mercy and love in her heart, she decided that I need to pick up tonight and leave, and she did not listen to her family, and it was because of this that she left. Her sickness intensified, and in that same path, going back to Makkah, she passed away. The mother of the Prophet at the age of six, she, he, she passed away. And then it was the woman who was there, Umm Ayman or Barakah, she was the one who brought Muhammad Sallallahu back and gave him and transferred him into the custody of his, his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib. What's the point here of the story? You have a mother out of her own mercy and raham, not looking at what she wants. She's putting her life in jeopardy here because of the love that she has. This is how much raham Allah has put in one mother. But according to the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, what we learn is that Allah has divided raham into a hundred parts. And He has sent one share of that into this dunya, which every one shares. Every parent shares, every sibling shares, every grandparent shares, everyone shares that one part. And who has, who has the other 99 parts? It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The reason I say this is because Allah is without a doubt. Indeed, He is the most merciful. He is consistently merciful. But today, unfortunately, when we look at the affairs of this dunya, when we look at these circumstances, the unfortunate situations of the Muslims across the world, when we go through our own economic situations, our challenges, our own personal challenges, and there's one challenge after another challenge after another challenge, the question that we begin to ask and the things that we begin to say is, isn't Allah merciful? Where is Allah's mercy? As if we are challenging and we are questioning Allah's mercy. Remember, Allah has always been merciful, and Allah is merciful, and we should always turn to Allah for mercy. But at the same time, brothers and sisters, a lot of times it's not because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are in those kind of situations. Perhaps because of our own sins, we might be in that kind of situation. When today people say that why is there so much hunger around the earth? Isn't Allah watching? Why does Allah help? Subhanallah. I myself right now, I'm taking sociology classes in college. The sociology will teach you that if America wanted to solve all its problems, it can solve its problems. But because of the structure that we have in America, the system that we have set up here in America, the capitalist kind of system that we have set up, this is why we have so many people, we have thousands and thousands of kids who don't even know where their next meal is going to come from. There's so much poverty in America. There's so much poverty around the world. Is it that Allah has not given the entire world so much? Wallahi, if there is, if everyone decides to share, there will be no person who is poor on the face of this earth. This is how much Allah has given us. It is because of our shortcomings, because of the greed of the human being, because they just want more and more. This is why there are people who are becoming rich and rich, and there are so much suffering that's happening to this world. It's not because Allah is not merciful. We need to really get this out of our mind that where is Allah's mercy? Isn't Allah merciful? Allah has always been merciful. How can we question Allah's mercy? So this is why always remember that if we ever need anything, always turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, we will go through our challenges. This mindset, 
You know, subhanAllah, there's this mindset that if you are a good Muslim, Allah will not put challenges on you. This is not the correct philosophy. The Prophet was the person who was the most dearest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yet the Prophet he went through so many challenges. If we have this mentality, this is a flawed mentality. This is a flawed philosophy. We need to get this out of our mind. If I am a good person to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if I'm a good Muslim, Allah will put me most certainly through challenges. Because that is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will test our commitment. Allah will test our dedication. Allah wants to see how sincere we are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And even when we go through these challenges, as Ibn Qayyim mentions, that either the challenge is an adab from Allah, or either it's a rahmah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If that challenge brings us closer to Allah, it's a rahmah. If it takes us away from Allah, it is an adab. So let us never question the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Keep on asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his mercy. And who knows? Who knows? Perhaps we're making so much dua and we say, why doesn't Allah accept our dua? Not realizing the hadith of the Prophet alayhi salam, that in the hereafter, when we see the reward in the barakah of our dua, we will say, the Prophet alayhi salam is already foretelling us about what we will say in the hereafter. The Prophet alayhi salam is telling us that we will say in the hereafter that I wish Allah would have not accepted any of my duas because of the barakah of dua. So keep on making dua. Always ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for mercy. Allah has always been merciful. He will remain merciful, most merciful, most consistently merciful. And inshallah, we will be deserving of Allah's rahmah and mercy. But we have to be sincerely humble to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How we treat Allah is how Allah will treat us. If we see Allah as merciful, Allah will have raham on us. If we see Allah as cruel, then Allah will bring challenges upon us. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He sends upon us His mercy over and over again. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send mercy upon us in our generations, inshallah, in the future and in the hereafter. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shower upon us His mercy in the hereafter. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. قد أفلح المؤمنون الذين هم في صلاتهم خاشعون والذين هم عن اللغو معرضون والذين هم للزكاة فاعلون والذين هم لفروجهم حافظون إلا على Thank you.